brother G2, National Director of Journey for Justice Alliance. Appreciate y'all being here. I'm your host for the On the Ground podcast. This podcast is for those that believe, those that are ready to do the work, ready to conversate, not demonstrate. Let's go. Abarigani, Hotep, peace, assalamu alaikum, what's happening, and what up, though? I want to thank everybody for their support. Our people are steadily downloading the episodes, and we really appreciate it. This is the podcast that lifts up the artistic science of community organizing as we talk to regular people that are making extraordinary change in their communities. If you need to reach us, you can follow us on Twitter at J4J underscore USA, or you can check us out on Facebook at the Journey for Justice Alliance. You can also go to our website, www.j4jalliance.com. We just revitalized our website. It's fresh, it's fly, it's dope, it's lit, it's tight, all that stuff. So y'all should check it out and it can give you a good sense of who we are and what we do. But again, we do this podcast because we want to lift up the fact that, you know, at the end of the day, Dr. Carter G. Woodson said, the greatest weapon in the hands of the oppressor is the minds of the oppressed. So we know that our oppressor is not going to teach us how to be free. And so us learning and practicing the artistic science of community organizing, us building infrastructure in our communities to begin to resist and rebuild our communities through rebuilding our institutions is a necessary part of our work. And we believe in this time that we're on this planet, that's the contribution we need to make. We need to leave our children something more than just problems. We need to leave them infrastructure. We need to leave them relationships. And we have an amazing show today. The theme of our show today is heartbeat because we want to talk to a little organization that could, uh, an amazing organization out of Brick City, Newark, New Jersey, called Pulse, Parents Unified for Local School Education. Uh, We're going to talk to them today, and I want to introduce you to two of the co-founders of Pulse. My sister Sharon Smith and my brother Johnny Latner. Uh, good evening, everybody, and, and welcome to the On the Ground podcast. Good evening, GQ. Johnny, you there, brother? Yes, I'm here. Yes, I am. So I want to welcome both of y'all to the podcast. And before we jump into questions and just explaining about more about who Pulse is, we want to do our member spotlight. And the group we want to lift up today is another grassroots group out of Detroit, Michigan called the Detroit Life Coalition. These are my brothers, my brother Baba Chell Odadi, brother Maulana Talbot, brother Kamal Keparu, who have built an organization of parents, of community residents that care deeply about the development of our youth and also about education justice. They have done some amazing work, really basically an unfunded organization, but a group of really committed, disciplined brothers and sisters who are building a movement for education justice throughout not just Detroit, but the state of Michigan. Some of their major accomplishments, they were part of the coalition that actually stopped the proposed closure of 39 schools. They have been successful in really creating an excitement around sustainable community schools in the state of Michigan. And they've built a statewide network called the Michigan We Choose Network, which includes, believe it or not, sisters and brothers from Detroit, Albion, Michigan, Inkster, Michigan, and Battle Creek, Michigan, where they are coming together to fight a myriad of issues. You may not know this. One of the things that's happening 
around the country is small black cities are losing their entire school districts. So in the case of Inkster, Michigan, where they actually shut down their school district, they tore down the buildings, they bust the children to neighboring struggling districts, and then they still tax the people as if they had schools, right? How out of pocket can you get? So they're fighting to get their schools back in Inkster. Then in Albion, Michigan, uh, my sister Sonia Brown, the deputy mayor there, along with uh, other brothers and sisters, had their schools annexed, where the buildings are still there, but the young people are bused again to neighboring school districts. You know, and we understand that when you kill institutions, what you're really trying to do is move a particular population out of a city. It's the same state where the government poisoned the people of Flint and intentionally denied water to people in Detroit. So uh, they're up against it, but they have built a strong resistance. They are organizing to right now fight a policy in Detroit that's saying that third graders, if they can't read by third grade, they'll be failed as opposed to making sure that those young people have the excellent pre-K supports that they need so that that's not even a question. They're starving the schools and they're trying to punish the children for reflecting that starvation. And folks are fighting back against that, you know, through the Michigan We Choose Coalition. So I want to say salute again to my brother Cheo Hodari, my brother Maulana Talbot, and my brother Kamal Keparu, three of the leaders of the Detroit Life Coalition. So salute to you, brothers and sisters. Keep up the good work, and we with you. All right, so now I want to talk to my people. Like I said, we have the co-founders of Parents Unified for Local School Education, better known as Pulse, uh, Sister Sharon Smith and brother Johnny Latin on. So once again, family, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. All right, all right. Why don't you do a favor for our listeners? And just introduce yourself and, and kind of what brought you to doing this work. Why don't we start with you, Sharon? We started actually with you, Brother D2. Johnny and I actually had a trip to Chicago at a school leadership council summit where we had an opportunity to see parents and leaders at schools understand the work that they were doing and had the power to make change. Mm. And so we knew when we got back to Newark that we didn't have that. And so we wanted to find a way to implement that strategy mm-hmm. that you use in Chicago and Newark. And mm-hmm. that started Pulse. It started by creating policies that will change the local schools. That was all the way back in 2007, right? Yes. I remember that. I remember that. At that time, I was still the education organizer for the Kenwood Oakland Community Organization. So, Johnny, you want to add something to that, brother? Definitely, yes. Um, and I think through the years, we came back from Chicago and we we saw the work that was being done and started putting in place, working on different policies and working on different strategies because at that time, we were going through a thing of closing schools. Schools were being closed like it was crazy. But the power that we gained through that summit and through the power we gained by just to pick up the phone and call people like yourself to help give us encouragement. We stopped a lot of school closings and a lot of things that was that was happening in New You know, it started it's that summit, coming to that summit. You know, we thought we was being sharing laughs sometimes and we thought we were superstars that day. What they're talking about family is that when they came to Chicago, I, 
I, you know, I didn't get him the five dollar tour. I gave him the twenty five dollar tour of Bronzeville community, <laughs> and we got a chance to really spend a lot of time together. You know, because one of the things that oppressors do, they thrive mm-hmm. keeping us in isolation. So one of the things that we felt was important was to begin to share what works and what doesn't work. Because, you know, we've won some things in Chicago and we've lost some things in Chicago. So, but to be able to see what are some vehicles that we can use to increase community power. Because at the end of the day, what we're all facing, I don't care where we are. If I'm on the phone with somebody from Puerto Rico right now, the link we would have is that there's somebody else controlling our basic quality of life institutions. They're running those institutions based on how they see us. And just for the audience, when I say institutions, what I mean are structures that are put in place to meet a basic need. So when we have food deserts, that's because of the lack of food production and delivery systems in our neighborhood. When we have slumlords and a loss of affordable housing, that's because we don't have quality housing institutions. And when we have under-resourced, punitive sabotage neighborhood schools, that is the destruction of our education institutions. And so if people run those institutions based on how they see us, a very simple solution that we have to begin to employ is the takeover of those institutions. In other words, get the colonizers out of our communities and begin to run those institutions ourselves. And so by building parent power, that was a way to do it. So thank you, you know, for, um, you know, lifting that up. And, and, you know, I love you all and I appreciate the graciousness that you all, you know, just play all the time. But I want, this is about y'all. And yes, you are, you know, a lot of people can come and look at something. That don't mean they're going to do it, right? So you all came, you saw the local school council model and you got to work. So why don't you all explain sort of how Pulse developed and what was your instrument to build your base of parents that can fight for education justice in Newark? What we did was we actually started to meet with groups of parents around issues that involved them because we knew that, you know, bringing them together and having, making sure that their voice is heard, not us telling them what to do, but dealing with the issues that they did. And at, at that time, I think it was, it was the simple things of crossing guards. There's not enough crossing guards at the time. And I remember we got together, we laid it out, we got a group of parents together and start to um, actually map out who didn't have a crossing guard and who did have a crossing guard. And, and we then we turned around and we after we did that, we looked into the application because they think the application was like 15 pages long. So we we went before the city council, went before the school board, and we ended up, you know, with the, the help of the parents, actually cutting the application down to three pages. And some of the parents got hired as crossing guards. So that was, I think, one of the first things we started to do. But then we started to talk about the other issues that we're doing, and we just started to make sure that the parents' voice and the students' voices was heard, and that's something we started to build and started to have meetings and um, trainings 
with that trip, we also knew how strong the movement was going in Chicago with school closing and, and what we called at that time school sabotage, that we knew that our public schools were closing. And we knew the importance of making sure that the parents understood what was going on in their school and why their school was closing. And that's why it was so important to understand and have policies to prevent those schools from closing. And so we wanted to make sure that they were aware because without knowledge, they could not fight. And so we wanted to make sure we informed them, not only through leadership training, but providing skills with them so that we can advocate for them in their own school buildings so that we can also just show what destruction school closing was causing in our neighborhoods. And that led us to creating a stronger front of parents who was willing to speak at boards, as Johnny said, or to speak at a municipal council meeting because they were aware of what was happening in their schools. And so from moving from just not being able because the structure of the sabotage of black schools in our community was such a large force and supplied with a lot of money, it was very hard for a group of parents to fight without knowing and not building up the mechanism that was needed to push back against these schools closing. And so as being a part of the Journey for Justice Alliance, at that time we weren't Journey for Justice Alliance, but these group of cities coming together and creating a tactic, creating a tactic of fouling the Title VI complaint was one of our tools that helped move us in a way that never had happened in Newark before. Mm -hmm. um, when we filed the first Title VI complaint in Newark, it was with a student who later became a school board representative. And he was a very outspoken student. His name is Donald Jackson. He mm -hmm. helped create the first Title VI complaint, which he also was a part of the um, the life committee, right, Gito? Mm -hmm. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. And so we filed that Title VI complaint, and then two years later, we had a group of parents who was very outspoken, very involved in their schools, and actually they did videos and they showed the damage or the routes that their children had to take to go to school who were all under under the eighth grade, who were not mm -hmm. high school students, that these students were trying to get to schools across town by themselves. Mm -hmm. And so this title six complaint was very powerful. Mm -hmm. It led us to having an investigation with the Department of Justice and the Department of Civil Rights and Newark Public School came into an agreement at the end of 2014 that they will remedy the harm that was caused to the children by this one Newark, one Newark and the universal enrollment. These were policies that were used not only in Newark, but across the United States in different forms or in different matters. Mm -hmm. And so that was the building up of giving parent power, giving them self-determination and shared leadership that moved us into making Pulse a place where parents can go get information, but not only get information, but learn how to use that information to push back against the structures that was damaging our public schools. So you all dropped a lot of lessons. I'm gonna try to be really succinct as, as I summarize. I want people to remember that what Johnny said in the beginning was 
you know, as they began to try to organize parents, they would go to parents and find out what they cared about. And so it wasn't about come to this meeting. This meeting is about this and just listen to what we have to say on the agenda. It was actually talking to parents around their concerns and then helping them to address those concerns. And the initial concern that you all lifted up was the issue of not enough crossing guard. And so the victory that you won in that was actually one, condensing the application process, making it a lot more you know, practical for people, but then actually getting some parents placed as crossing guards. You can call that a little victory that, that helps you that helps you to see why it's important to become members of Pulse. But then Sharon talked about something around as they began to try to let parents see the boogeyman that was coming or that was amongst them, which was school closings, which was actually instituted by a former mayor of Newark. What was his name? Cory Booker. So the person who instituted the initiative that was proven in your Title VI civil rights complaint that you are the only city to have won around school closings, the person who implemented the One Newark Plan, who rolled out the red carpet for it to be heaped upon our children, is the guy that's running for president, Cory Booker. So I want to say, so what Sharon talked about, I hope everybody's listening to this, what Sharon talked about was that what you all began to do was do leadership trainings in the schools, programs that allow parents to be able to, one, address issues they cared about, get information that they needed, then also begin to learn how to do things like advocacy and stuff like that. I actually attended one of your trainings at, was it, is it Hawthorne Avenue School? Yeah. Uh-huh. So I actually was blessed enough to be in the space and I saw Sharon and Johnny at work. Also, I've been to meetings with them at George Washington Cobb Elementary School. So to folks that are interested in organizing, I just want you to hear, one, the approach that the organizer's job is to listen, right, and find out what people care about, not tell them what they should care about. But then two, for black and brown people, Trust is an issue because there are so many people that come in our community selling wolf tickets. And what, so what they did is they began in the schools to set up leadership programs where parents can come and actually get empowered. They can actually come and have the things that they see verified, uh, supported, and then get the tools to address the things that they cared about. So by having those leadership programs, what emerged from those leadership programs were members, were people who then said, I want to be a member of Pulse. Is that accurate? Yes, that's very that accurate. accurate. All right. Yes. So I, I just want people to see the science that my sister and brother put in place to help build Pulse. Now, we're going to talk about the Title VI civil rights complaint in a moment, but I want to let our on-the-ground audience know one of the most impressive meetings I've ever attended. I'm coming up on 53 rotations around the sun. I've been in this work a minute. I've been to a lot of meetings. I've been to a lot of trainings. But that meeting I came to, we were talking about building posts. We said, well, can you get 50 people in the room? Sharon and Johnny was like, yeah, we get 50 people in the room. So I said, okay, well, let me know when y'all going to have that meeting. I'm going to come. So they organized a community meeting in the basement of this church. I can't remember the name of the church. And i never forget it. It was a bad rainstorm that day. So it was raining outside. And it was 55, 60, maybe more people in that basement. Well, they had some good catfish, too. But anyway, so they, they were feeding us in the basement. 
And what was amazing, sisters and brothers, was that Sharon and Johnny basically opened the meeting and turned it over to their leaders. And so they were teaching around the six pillars of sustainable community schools. And I remember Sister Kenya, our sister Yolanda, they were teaching different pillars in the room. And that was a testimony to how you all laid out your work. You know, Ella Baker said, strong people don't need no leaders. So what you all have done is you've given our people a space where they can not only believe that they can become leaders, but that they can get the support they need to become leaders. That is like a major moment for myself in this work, just watching you all carry that out and, and build posts. So it's two other things I want y'all to lift up. So we already know that Corey Booker is the person who started the One Newark plan and really devastated many of our, our neighborhoods in the South Ward and throughout Newark, New Jersey. But you all had a particular response. Can you all talk, mm-hmm. talk about the boycott and what year you did it and what was the impact of the boycott you did in Newark, New Jersey? The boycott was actually in 2014. And the reason for the boycott was mm-hmm. because superintendent Kim Anderson developed this one Newark, and I call it the one Newark disaster, where, as Sharon said earlier, where kids would be bused from one side of the city to the other side of the city in different schools, and then she would break up families so that they would have to go to different schools. And so at the beginning of the 2014 school year, we actually decided, and we were meeting over the summer, to decide that we were going to boycott the school plan itself. And so we had teacher volunteers. Actually, you came down D2 with some of the people from Chicago, and the people came, and we actually boycotted the public schools and they kept their kids home and we actually had a freedom school type of boycott. So to just give a little background, Tammy Anderson was the superintendent that Cory Booker brought to Newark mm-hmm. along with at that time Governor Chris Christie. So the plan was to flip Newark into a New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And so the goal for us, though, was to say that we weren't going to take it laying down. Not that New Orleans took it laying down, but we weren't going to take it laying down, that we were going to push back, and that we knew that we had this Title VI behind us, and we knew that it was documented racial biases, that it was a disinvestment in our children, that our children were not being thought of when they were uprooted out of their neighborhood schools and sent to other neighborhood schools that was far away from their homes and parents was not able to get to those schools. So we decided not only because our goal is also to think of the family, the parents. So we decided to have this strike, but to have this strike along with a freedom school that will still allow our children to learn and have a safe place to go to during the time of the strike because we knew that some of our parents had to work. 
And we wanted to make sure also that we give an idea of what it was like to have a freedom school and what it what it's like to be in a resistance, right? And how do we teach our children about resistance? And so we use that school as a tool, not only to teach our children, but to be able for those parents to come and see what it was like to be in a resistance. And so I think we were quite successful in pushing back against the district because for at least five days, the enrollment was low. That's right, like 31% that or something like that. It was extremely low. Yeah, um, yeah. It got a lot of attention through the news and the superintendent wanted to talk to us to find out what could be done. But at that point, the One North Plan and the universal enrollment had caused so much damage that it was just totally disorganized. So even the superintendent at that point could not stop the damage that was happening with this one Newark enrollment because buses weren't going to the right places. Children weren't being dropped off at the right school. So it just shows how malice the thinking was in creating this one Newark plan. And the thoughts of the children and the family was not the first thing that they thought about, it was more so the money that was coming into the district mm-hmm. to uproot public schools. You know, again, a variety of tactics that I use to one, target the people that are making these decisions. And this was Cammie Anderson under the direction of Cory Booker, but also mm-hmm. to be able to inspire people to see that they can create an alternative. And so I was present for many of those days, as they said, and it was powerful. We had our own freedom school space. We actually had instructors teaching the young people during the day. And you're right, their enrollment was very low. I think it was like 31%, something like that. But um, it definitely had an impact. And what was interesting is right after that, if I remember correctly, young people from the Newark Student Union began to really pressure Cami Anderson. But you all were the first yeah. one to put her in the crosshairs. And so... Mm-hmm. As they put Cammie Anderson in the crosshairs, the young people in the Newark Student Union began to go directly at Cammie Anderson. And Mm -hmm. off the heels of the boycott, there was a three-day occupation of her office. And she resigned a few weeks after that. And then uh, I just want to lift up the impact of your work inspired your current mayor to run on a pro-public education platform. Uh, Because there was such a resistance to the school closings in Newark. You know, so I want people to hear that that Mayor Raz Baraka became mayor because he promised equity in public education. He promised things like community schools and no school closings. And that would not have happened without the work that you all did as Pulse. Let me ask another question. So you you got a successful Title VI civil rights complaint. For any city that's fighting school closings, you should look that up and use that as evidence because the One Newark plan has tried to be duplicated in New Orleans. The One App system has been tried to be duplicated in other cities around the United States. They repackage stuff that is as old as 2003 from Chicago. Like the schools that they are building in Newark right now are called Renaissance School. And the plan to close 60 schools and create 100 new schools in Chicago in 2004 was called Renaissance 2010. They used the same talking points. This stuff is not original uh, when it hits your city. So I would look up, to anybody that's interested, look up the Title VI Civil Rights Complaint filed by Pulse, and you'll see 
that the district had to remedy the harm that they had done to black children. But I want to shift gears a little bit as we start to wind down. I want people to, to understand that Pulse not only came to Chicago in 2007 and that visit inspired them to build their organization, but they are also charter members of the Journey for Justice Alliance. Many of us, I think it was 12 cities, we began to have phone calls early on in 2012, 2013, because we, we know what it was like to feel isolated. You know, mm -hmm. when somebody has their foot on your neck, it can be people that look just like you, that treat you like you're crazy because you want to get that foot on your neck. It was really important for a core group of us to begin to talk to each other, validate each other's struggle, and then begin to do work together. So you're not just talking to a strong community organization, you're also talking to folks that have vision because they believe in the vision and the possibility of a Journey for Justice Alliance before anyone else did, right? We were all in that first group of people that realized that we could build something. Um, mm -hmm. So I wanna lift that up. And I wanna just talk, see if you all could talk a little bit about uh, what you've built throughout the state of New Jersey. Because right now you all have community organizations that are members of your statewide network in Camden, mm -hmm. in yeah. uh, Patterson, in Elizabeth, and in Newark, and in wherever, in other, probably other places. Jersey City. So why don't you all talk about your statewide network? The network, we have about, I'll say about 15 good cities and looking for more to actually build the statewide network. So with this statewide network, we can be partners and make sure that we all in all of it together and we all fighting together. I have to say shout out to Canada and the work they're doing and the things that Patterson is doing, the Jersey City is doing, because we're learning of it too. And none of that would have been possible without Parents Unified for Local School Education, without Pulse. I remember you all called me to a meeting in Jersey City and that's when I first met Roger Dickinson and her crew from mm -hmm. Camden, Lorenzo Richardson and his crew from Jersey City. And some of the things that this network has been able to accomplish, has been to begin to spread sustainable community schools throughout New Jersey as an alternative to school closings and charter school expansion. Also, I think being a part of Journey for Justice and that network inspired Lorenzo Richardson to run for school board in Jersey City. And yeah. The brother won, and now they have a pretty formidable number of people on the school board who believe in equity in public education. And then the good work that's happening in Patterson around also expanding community schools and making sure that mm -hmm. children get their resources, breakfast before the bell, and that type of work. None of that work would have happened if it was not for the formation of you all statewide network. So I want to commend you all for that and just say, you know, again, you know, there's a lot of work to do, but I want to just congratulate you all on the visionary work that you've done up to this point, man. It's, it's, it's really big. And here's, here's why it's even more amazing. Pulse is an unfunded organization. So all of this work that I'm talking to you about has been basically from a volunteer organization. We are all working together to make sure that that, that changes, but it talks about the power of ordinary people to do extraordinary things. So I've got a, I've got a different request for my on the ground family. If you're listening, I'm asking you to do this right now. 
ask you to go to our website, www.j4jalliance.com, and where it says donate, I am humbly asking you to make a donation to the Journey for Justice Alliance. You can indicate that it's for Pulse. And over the next 72 hours, every donation that we get from the date this broadcast airs, every donation we get will go to Parents Unified for Local School Education because they deserve it and much more than that. I want to thank you all for being my brothers and my sisters and just really being committed to this work. You know, sisters and brothers, again, Ella Baker told us a long time ago that any person, regardless of their education or lack of it, has the ability to look at the world they live in, analyze and strategize on how to fix it and move to change it. I think you all are some of the humblest leaders that I've ever encountered. And I think that's why the parent leaders in Pulse love you all so much, because it's not about creating a stage for you. It's about creating a space for them. So congratulations. I want to, again, because we're getting ready to close things down, make sure that folks go to www.j4jalliance.com. Please make a donation so that we can support this amazing organization. And y'all keep the fight up, man. Y'all, y'all keep doing it. We got a lot of work to do. Please stay steadfast and stay vigilant. D2, we humbly thank you. We know that this work is also a part of our connection and how we network with J4J because there would not be a network of Jersey organizations if it wasn't a network of uh, national organizations such as J4J. So we only implement it only implemented knowing that the strength in J4J is based on its people from all across the nation. And so we needed that same power here in Jersey. And so we know that this network is a strength among itself. All the people who are a part of this network give that power to our work in New Jersey. And so we're really thankful for you just really giving us an opportunity to share the work that we're doing here in Jersey. Thank you, brother. All right. So listen, as we glide to a close, the theme of our show today is heartbeat. This song that we're going we're gonna to close out with was by the sister Tana Gardner. Heartbeat dropped in 1979. Uh, I remember it because I used to go skating back in those days. And, you know, song came on the radio. It was just funky. But, you know, Pulse is my humble opinion, a major part of the heartbeat of the Journey for Justice Alliance and the education justice movement overall. You know, the way we do our work, I want y'all to think about all the different techniques and strategies that uh, uh, they talked about, everything from helping people to increase the number of crossing guards, to doing parent leadership programs, to doing boycotts, to filing Title VI civil rights complaints, and to making education a wedge issue in the mayoral race. That means they got funky with their organizing. They were very creative and they used all types of tactics in order to impact the world of education justice in Newark and beyond. So this song is dedicated to my family at Pulse. This is Heartbeat by Tiana Gardner, Tutau Nana, until we meet again. And we'll see y'all here, man, next Monday on the ground. There's nothing I want.